Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's hard to imagine the Star Trek universe without Klingons. I mean, they're warriors who are driven by personal honor and loyalty to the Empire, but they're also passionate artists and creators making some interesting poetry and, well, um, unlistenable operas. But their relationship with the Federation has been one of the most defining qualities of Star Trek since it began. After a botched first contact meeting, the Klingons and the Federation ended up as enemies for many years. This played throughout the original series as well as the prequel series Enterprise and by the time the next generation rolled around there was a tenuous peace between the Klingons and the Federation leading to the first Klingons to serve in Starfleet. Episodes focusing on Klingon politics and culture continued throughout TNG, Deep Space Nine and had sprinklings in Voyager and of course Discovery kicked off by shaving those bad boys down for war purposes. But let's not get into that in today's list. Let's get into this list. I am Marcus Bronzy, and here are 10 Klingon episodes that stand out above the rest. Number 10, Enterprise, Affliction and Divergence. Whilst Enterprise does have its fans, it's certainly not a favorite for many Star Trek watchers. Anyway, they managed to pull together a pretty tidy retcon to take care of the whole Klingon forehead ridge debacle. In the original series, Klingons had flat, ridgeless foreheads. By the time the movie started, we definitely had ridges and that look persisted for the next few series. This issue was also touched upon in Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations, when the crew come across some smooth forehead Klingons from the original series. Worf alludes here that Klingons just don't discuss what happened here outside of their race, but Dr. Bashir guessed that it might be a viral mutation. Interesting. Back to Enterprise, which was set before the original series and the Klingons had ridges. In the two-part story that played out across Affliction and Divergence, the reason for this change were explained as a virus. Good guess, Bashir, that impacted many Klingons removing their ridges. The virus was stopped with the assistance of Dr. Phlox, who prevented it from impacting all Klingons. Over the generations, the impact of the virus lessened and eventually disappeared entirely. It was a strong attempt to tie up a huge plot hole that had been plaguing the Star Trek universe for years, one fans wanted an answer to. I mean, they really did try. 
Number 9, Deep Space Nine, The House of Quark. When a Klingon episode features Ferengi, it's bound to be something special. And that was certainly the case with The House of Quark. DS9's resident bartender, businessman and criminal has been known to get himself into a lot of trouble over the years. And when a drunk Klingon killed himself in Quark's bar, the Ferengi took advantage of the situation, as he does, and lied about what happened to drum up extra business on DS9. This led to Quark getting drawn into a fight between two Klingon houses after being forcibly married to Grilka, the widow of the man he lied about killing in the first place. Quark used his Ferengi acumen to prove his enemy's duplicitous tactics and help her house come out on top. On the surface, Klingons and Ferengi have very little in common, but what this episode successfully did was build a bit more understanding and somewhat a mutual respect between them. Number 8, Deep Space Nine, you are cordially invited. Klingons love their traditions, well, some Klingons at least. Worf was certainly one of them, which absolutely drove Jadzia nuts as she might as well have been the least traditional individual in the galaxy. And he chose to marry her, and she chose to marry him. So as much as she loved him, it got even worse as their wedding approached, since it was about as traditional as a Klingon wedding could be. You, a cordially invited, gave fans an incredible and unique view into Klingon culture, as it was very rare to see such a traditional wedding even take place. Worf took Sisko, Bashir and O'Brien, his son Alexander and Martok, who were the equivalent of his groomsmen, through an intense process over several days in a holodeck. Jadzia, on the other hand, well, she had to complete a series of trials to impress Martok's wife, as she was essentially going to become Jadzia's mother-in-law. And you know what they say about the in-laws? Yeah, man. Well, ultimately, the wedding took place and Wolf and Jadzia became husband and wife. It was an amusing and also light-hearted episode that showed the romantic side of Klingon life. Gah. Number 7, Voyager, Barge of the Dead. Most, if not all, species in Star Trek have their own mythology surrounding what happens after you die. The Ferengi essentially believe in a form of reincarnation, though you have to make sure that you've paid all of your debts before you die because otherwise you will not be able to buy a new life. Unsurprisingly, Klingons believe in something much more violent. The honoured dead, well, they end up in Stovacor, a place of eternal food, drink and of course, combat. The dishonoured dead, well, they end up in Greethor, a much less happier place. Belana Torres, a member of the Marquis who then joined the Voyager after being transported into the Delta Quadrant, had always struggled with her heritage. She was a half-human, half-Klingon, and she kind of rejected her Klingon side and favoured her qualities. But in an iron storm in the Delta Quadrant, she's forced to rethink the issue. In a coma, she found the spirit of her mother on a barge to Greethor, presumably due to the dishonour Belana brought on her family by ignoring her Klingon heritage. Belana eventually proved herself and secured her mother's entrance to Stovacor. And it may have been a coma dream or a hallucination, but it was all too real for Belana. The Barge of the Dead showed the importance of Klingon mythology to the warrior race, making it seem really real. And even someone like Belana Torres, who had long ignored mythology, had moved and driven herself into it by this experience. Number six, The Next Generation, Redemption 1 and 2. A two-part episode, Redemption was a key turning point in the history of the Klingon Empire and Worf's place in it. On the verge of being confirmed as the Chancellor of the Empire, Garon struggled to find support among his peers. Lursa and Beto, the sisters of the late Duras, well, they were challenging Garon for his position. As women, they could not become Chancellor, but they brought Taral, a young man claiming to be the son of Duras. 
As the male leader of the House of Duras, he had the claim to the position of Chancellor. Now, with a civil war on the horizon, Wolf and Kern, who had just revealed his true heritage, offered Gowron ships and troops in exchange for the return of their family's honour. Unbeknownst to them, the Duras sisters had forged a secret alliance with the Romulans. Well, that's a different story, but let's get back to this one. Whilst the Federation could not directly get involved with the Klingon civil war, they could try and stop the Romulans from funneling aid to the House of Duras. The Federation task force was successful in cutting off the supply train, leaving Lursa and Beetle to defend for themselves. The House of Duras fell, leaving Gowron unchallenged and in control of the Klingon Empire. Once again, Worf changed the whole direction of the Empire, crippling the nefarious Duras family. And that being said, he should have also kid Torrell as he showed up as an adult to torment Worf on Deep Space Nine. But hey, hindsight's a son of a b Number five. The Next Generation, Sins of the Father. Worf's time in the Star Trek universe has been plagued by his conflict with his own people. This, in no small part, is due to the fact that he was raised by humans and became a member of Starfleet. But other issues go much further back than that. Kern, the brother of Worf, never knew he had arrived on the Enterprise to speak with him about their late father, Moak. The day he died, the colony Moak lived on with Worf was massacred by Romulans. A young Worf was one of the very small group of survivors, which is where his human father found him. Kern only survived because he was on Kronos with a friend of the family. Duras, the son of another Klingon who died on Kitamar, was posthumously accusing Moak of helping Romulans in their attack. Now, Wolf challenged this claim, eventually discovering that it was the father of Duras who aided the Romulans. The Klingon High Council was trying to shift the blame to protect the powerful house led by Duras. And to protect the Empire, Wolf actually accepted the charges and everything that came with them, including essentially being fired from being a Klingon, which is one of the most dishonorable things ever. Up until this point, Klingons have been depicted as honourable warriors who did not debase themselves with duplicitous political moves. But this episode was the first time that we saw the Klingons had been shown to have some of the same flaws that every other species has. And it also showed that Worf was more Klingon than some of the Klingons that were born and raised on Kronos themselves. Number four, Deep Space Nine, Blood Oath. For Klingons, a Blood Oath is serious business. Once you pledge yourself to a Blood Oath, nothing can get in the way of it. It's a matter of pure honour, and Jadzia Dax ran into that when a group of old friends showed up on Deep Space Nine. Now, Trills, they're not bound to the debts of their previous lives. If they were, well, they'll be paying for old debts for eternity. Some symbiotes have multiple hosts as well, so Dax's host before Jadzia was Curzon, a Federation ambassador to Kronos. He became highly respected in the Klingon society, a status level that Jadzia inherited to an extent. Curzon had a blood oath with three Klingons, Kor, Koloth, and Kang, to avenge the murder of their sons at the hands of a criminal known as the Albino. Well, Jadzia, holding up the blood oath, said, okay, let's get the band back together. I'm in. The brilliance of this episode was that it demonstrated the importance of the blood oath in Klingon culture and to the aliens that adopted into it. From a storytelling perspective, even better. The episode also connected DS9 back to the original series with Kor, Koloth and Kang all being characters from the original Star Trek. Number three, Deep Space Nine, Soldiers of the Empire. Most Star Trek series have been defined by science and exploration. Deep Space Nine did have those elements, but it was primarily defined by the Dominion War. 
When Klingons came to deal with a rumoured Dominion invasion of the Cardassian Empire, a new character named General Martok was introduced. He stood beside Chancellor Gowron, who migrated to DS9 from the next generation. Martok was the leader of the Klingon forces invading Cardassia. He was also a changeling infiltrator. Yeah, that's right, those changelings, those pesky old changelings. It was eventually discovered that Martok was a Dominion shapeshifter who was manipulating Gowron and the whole Klingon Empire. The real Martok was rescued from a Dominion prison and returned to combat. However, when he was given a bird of prey called the Retaran, a ship with low morale and a few victories, the new captain didn't really help the situation at first because Martok's time as a prisoner of war had left scars on him. He was nervous and wanted to avoid combat and these are not Klingon qualities. In fact, they are the complete converse. But with the help of Worf, again, and Jadzia, Martok overcame his issues and became the Klingon warrior he was meant to be, bringing true honour to the Retaran. This episode showed a more vulnerable side of Klingons, specifically the impact being honourless has on their psyche. In its own way, soldiers of the Empire even demonstrated the darker side of war as Martok was a prisoner of war, suffering from PTSD. Number two, the next generation, Reunion. Worf's journey in Star Trek through both The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine has had a profound impact on the Klingon Empire. This was one episode of TNG where a lot happened, much of it changing the course of the Klingon civilization. The Chancellor of the Klingon Empire and the acquaintance of both Picard and Worf was dying. He asked Picard to be his arbiter of succession, meaning he would help choose his successor for him. The choice was between Gowron, a relatively unknown at the time with the craziest eyes in Starfleet, and Duras, an old enemy of Worf's. The inner workings of how the new leader of the Klingon Empire was selected was intriguing. The mix of politics and combat on a very overt level was surprising even for Klingons, as was the lack of input anyone else had on the decision. It was a very insular moment, with it happening out in space and so far away from the Empire, but having such a big impact on it. Number one, the next generation, a matter of honour. I love this episode. Now, being an exchange student is a lot of fun. You can go to another country, eat the food, drink the wine if you're old enough, see the sights, and they can send someone over to you so you can do the same. But if you get traded onto a Klingon ship, it's a very different kind of exchange program, and that's exactly what happened to Riker. At the suggestion of Picard, the bearded Riker, aka the better Riker, jumped on board to become an exchange student style first officer. And when the second officer challenged Riker, he observed Klingon tradition and defeated him in combat to prove he was worthy of position. He really, really tried to fit in there. I mean, Riker even doubled down on dining with the crew and enjoying some delicious gah, which he had been trying on the Enterprise and didn't realize that the real Klingon version was basically these worms live yeah, you had to eat live worms, basically. Anyway, things got difficult when the current captain of the Klingon Pach misinterpreted a scan from the Enterprise as an attack of some kind and were ready to go to war with Picardi's old Enterprise. Now, in reality, the Enterprise was scanning a strange growth on the Klingon's hull. So Riker took control of the ship and prevented a disaster. And he did this using all of the appropriate Klingon rules and regulations. Okay, he might have tricked the captain a little bit by giving him a transporter, which got him over to the Enterprise, which meant he could take over. However, it wasn't the most dishonourable thing one could have done. And it also was very interesting because putting Riker on a Klingon ship from a story perspective was a stroke of genius. It allowed viewers to get one of their first full views on the crew's workings and inner workings in general of a Klingon ship. What life was like for them and how the whole hierarchy thing works. We even see Klingons laughing and having fun, something that you don't see much of in TNG before then. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.